Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. I'm glad you joined us today because we're doing something a little different. We're doing a live webinar with Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace Theology Press, who have published a new book called Living by Grace, and I've written a chapter in there on practicing grace and ministry. And that's what I'm going to be talking about right now with Mark Ray from Grace Center for Spiritual Development. The other authors are Fred Shea, Phil Congdon, uh, Mark Haywood, and Mark Ray himself, and I think David Anderson. And the book is available right now. You know, we often talk about grace and how we're saved by grace, but this book focuses on how we uh, use grace, allow grace to help us in ministry. So enjoy the webinar. There'll be a, a short talk and then there'll be some questions afterwards. Enjoy. Well, let me welcome you all again. My name is Mark Ray. I'm executive director of the Grace Center for Spiritual Development, and I'm just as pleased as I can be that you all have joined us. Just so you're aware, um, we had 113 people register for this in 21 countries and over 20 states. So this is, and that's just who've registered to be here. We also have a tremendous number of people that will watch it on Facebook Live and watch it again and again and again. So we are just thrilled that you've all, that you've chosen to join us here. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Um, I'll introduce Dr. Bing here in just a minute, but I want to remind you to keep your mics muted and that we will have a question and answer period at the end uh, after Dr. Bing gets through teaching. So there will be an opportunity to do that, but you can throw questions in the chat room. We'll be monitoring that uh, and we'll be bringing those up and you can also ask questions live when that time comes as well. <clears throat> Let me tell you just a little bit about Grace Center for Spiritual Development. I think that's where I'm going next. Um, our vision here at Grace Center is to develop spiritual leaders in every nation who can teach others about the love of Christ, a love that cannot be earned and cannot be lost. Grace Center is an extension mm -hmm. of Grace School of Theology, and we are specifically here. Uh, we're attached to a seminary that grants degrees, but we do a lot of things in Grace Center that don't end up going toward a degree, but end up in still developing spiritual leaders, teaching and training you like this webinar here tonight. A lot of other things that we have within the Grace Center family um, are seminars and conferences. We've got now 10 to 12 Bible studies, study guides that go along with those, our basic fundamentals training in for both ministry as well as uh, soon to come, our basic, uh, basic program for the Christian life. We've got our on-demand learning platform called Grace On Demand, and you saw a number of videos coming up of the courses that we have available, both free and uh, fee-based. We have our podcast called Saving Grace. We have our webcast called Grace Cafe. We have a number of devotional studies um, through YouVersion. Um, we have a number of study guides and eBooks, and then underneath the Grace Center for Spiritual Development is Grace Theology Press, which is where we publish books. One of the reasons we're highlighting that tonight is that Dr. Bing is one of the co-authors of a book called Living by Grace, and we'll be talking a little bit about that a little bit later. I wanna make sure that everybody here knows about our Grace app, the Grace app. Um, 
the Grace app, everything that's free for us, all the access, all the access you need to everything that Grace Center has developed is available on the Grace app. You can download it now. You have QR codes on the screen right there. So you can easily access anything that we've got through the Grace app. So all that stuff I was talking about, study guides, Bible studies, uh, devotional studies, conferences and seminars, and also our Grace on Demand courses, those are all available through the Grace app. Um, and I've forgotten where I'm headed after this. There it is. That's where I'm headed after this. So it brings me a great deal of pleasure to introduce to you a church planter, author, pastor, founder and director of Grace Life Ministries, co-founder of the Free Grace Alliance, my friend, Dr. Charlie Bing. Dr. Bing, we're glad to have you here. Let me pray for our time together and then we're going to turn it over to you with this webinar on practicing grace in ministry. So let me pray for us. Father God, we give you great thanks this day that your hand smiles upon us because you pour out your grace upon us. I thank you for the teaching that we receive and pray that our ears are open, our eyes are open, our hearts are open to know you more deeply because of what Dr. Bing will share tonight. So Lord, open us up. Let us be prompted by your spirit to really listen carefully and to apply what we hear. Thank you that you work in us supernaturally to know you more deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Bean, it's all yours. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you to the Grace Center for Spiritual Development for inviting me with this time and allowing me to be part of the book project. And greetings and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night to people wherever you are in your part of the world. I'm glad I can talk to you today. Um, COVID has got me a little antsy because I'm used to traveling, so it's just good to know I'm in other parts of the world right now. And we're going to talk tonight about practicing grace in ministry, which was my topic in the book, Living uh, by Grace. And we'll talk a little bit about some things. You can ask a question at the end if you have any. But in case you're looking for a job or a ministry, I've got a Help Wanted ad here for you. It says, Wanted Minister for, church, for a Growing Church. And here's some of the things they're looking for. Applicant must show experience as shop worker, office worker, educator at all levels, artist, salesman, diplomat, writer, theologian, politician, children's worker, minor league athlete, psychologist, vocational counselor, funeral director, wedding consultant, master of ceremonies, circus clown, missionary, social worker, must know all about problems of birth, marriage, and death, also conversant with latest theories and practices of pediatrics, economics, and nuclear science. Should have ongoing friendly disposition at all times. Should be captivating speaker and intent listener. Will pretend he enjoys hearing about bad knees and back aches. Isn't that true? Should be about 29 years old with 30 years preaching experience. Should preach sermons <laughs> that remind of Moody and Spurgeon, yet are so simple even preschoolers are blessed must sing and lead music and there's more but i don't have time uh i you can submit your name to that church if you want to but maybe you're in a church that already expects that of you and you're going to <laughs> it's called jack of all trades not very good at any of them you're going to need god's grace to deal with that and uh you know we can't <laughs> assume that we all understand what everybody understands about grace because there's different views out there so i'm going to give Here's a simple definition, which is grace is a free gift. Can't get any simpler than that. It comes from the word gift, 
but it's an absolutely unconditional free gift. When it comes to salvation, it's a free gift that is given to us who are undeserving as sinners. Um, and um, my, my practical definition of grace goes like this. Grace is everything we don't deserve for anything we need and even more. Now think about that. Grace is everything we don't deserve mm -hmm. for anything that we need and, <clears throat> excuse me, and more. So there's some people to talk about cheap grace and costly grace, but that to me doesn't make sense. Describes it as free, absolutely free. So we're starting on that basis there. And when we talk about ministry, we're talking about ministry is a gift of God. And that's how mm -hmm. it was viewed, at least by the Apostle Paul. He says in Romans 1, 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. In other words, Paul is saying that uh, this apostleship of his is a gift of grace from God. He didn't see it as something that he deserved, uh, something that he earned because he was good. He called himself the least of all the apostles and the chief of sinners. So the very privilege of being in the ministry, if you are, if you are in any way, uh, and you probably are in some way and should be in some way, is a gift and a privilege given to us by God, not something we deserve. Ephesians 3, 7, he says something similar when he speaks of the ministry uh, to the Gentiles and the Jews, of which I became a minister according to the grace of the, the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. What a wonderful phrase that is, the gift of the grace of God. So we, we want to think of ministry in that way as it's a, a blessing from God. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. If God were to look at our res, the resumes of our early life or teenage years, we would immediately be disqualified. I would. So it is a gift from him, and we should, we should humbly accept it and consider it that way. It's a privilege. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's a, a stewardship. Um, now, ministry mm -hmm. is also a mindset. And I think the Bible uh, is teaching that we should, since we have this ministry, use it to serve other people. And specifically, he's given to each a gift, and that gift should be used to minister to other people as well. So First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So by God's grace, he has given out spiritual gifts to people. And we're to be good stewards and show that by our ministries and in our ministries to other people. Like if we're, if he's given us a gift of speaking, uh, speak as if the, we're the oracles or the word of God itself. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. So here it's telling us that God has not only gifted us with the privilege of ministry, but he's given us specific gifts in which we can use them, and we won't all use them the same way. But the assumption is you have a gift, and you should use it to minister to others. That doesn't mean vocationally. It could mean as a, I hate the term, lay person or a non-vocational person uh, in the church. Um, let me make a point that ministry is a codependency. I don't know if that's the best word to use, but that's the word I kind of settled on. And my point in saying that is that you can't do it alone. When you read that list of uh, descriptions in the Minister Wanted ad and you see all the things and expectations um, required 
of you, you come to the conclusion that you're, you can't do this alone. And so someone has said that in ministry, God asks us, asks us to do what we cannot do um, with resources we do not have. And some of you are saying that's true. Uh, God has given us a task we cannot do with resources we do not have. Well, what does that mean? It means that we have to depend on him. And Paul says it, I think, very well in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. Not that we are, he talks about his new covenant ministry there. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency, our ability to do this is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, when Jesus was uh, training his 12, he put them in situations that were impossible, like uh, the storm in the middle of the sea, and uh, that's something they couldn't uh, defeat on their own. Peter couldn't walk on the water on his own. They learned to depend on him for doing the impossible, what seemed impossible. When he asked them to feed the 5,000, they realized, Lord, we don't have any food. And so Jesus uh, multiplied those fish and bread just to show them that they had to depend on him because he could do what they could not do with resources they did not have. And when we approach ministry, we need to approach it that way as servants who are in and of ourselves cannot do this, but we have to depend on God and his resources. So I call it a codependency, for lack of a better term right now. And, you know, a good model for ministry is always our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it is said of him in John 1.14, as you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is one of our, my favorite passages. It describes Jesus as being full of grace and truth. In other words, not only did he love people unconditionally and accept them unconditionally, in their sin, which meant that he offered them a way in their sin to be saved. But he also spoke the truth. And sometimes that was very well, it was very costly. It cost him his life, didn't it? But he also was bold mm -hmm. enough to speak the truth and never, never uh, waver from that. Um, I think a good illustration of that is the story of the woman caught in adultery when Jesus catches her and they. He asks for, you know, witnesses and so forth. And it turns out probably to be a setup. And he knows that maybe she was caught in adultery because what he says to her at the end of that story is go and sin no more. And in that statement, what you see is the grace to let this woman go, not be stoned. But he knew that he was going to pay the price for her salvation. And so she didn't have to pay by being stoned, even though that was what the law said. But there was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ being shown. And then the truth, because he said, go and sin no more. He did not back away as modern times tell us to do and not call sin, sin. He called adultery a sin. And he just said, just don't do it anymore, because he knew how harmful sin can be. So you see the, the our model for ministry, Jesus Christ, uh, Full of grace and truth is what we should strive to be in the ministry. It's it's something given to us as a gift. It's We should have the mindset of using our gift to serve others. Um, we acknowledge our dependency upon him.
and we use Jesus as a model. What would Jesus do? Okay. Um, now, it, I've broken down the practicing grace and ministry into five different categories. Uh, just uh, to show them to you and won't spend equal time on any of them. Um, they won't be on, on all of these. But uh, one another ministry I mentioned first because the Bible assumes that each of us has a gift and that each of us will use that gift in ministry to one another. And there are so many one another verses in the Bible that we don't have time to go through them today um, or tonight. And um, But it's obvious that the expectation is that every believer will minister to other believers or in evangelism to unbelievers in order to help them become Christians and then grow up in Jesus Christ. And it takes grace to do that because you're dealing with people. And any time you're dealing with people, whether they're believers or not, it takes a lot of grace um, to see who they are in God's eyes and to love them as he loved them. So I'm not going to say a lot about one another ministry uh, other than that, uh, just to know that it is our responsibility to minister to one another as Jesus did humbly and uh, with kindness and gentleness. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, questionable issues even among believers that we might disagree on uh, practices and holidays and things like that and how to celebrate them, how to lifestyle questions. And uh, your opinion may differ from the opinion of someone you know, and grace is needed there in order to have maintained fellowship. You know, one of the issues that we see a lot, at least in the United States, is a big debate about uh, whether people should get vaccinated or not or whether mm -hmm. churches should stop meeting during this COVID times. Uh, and everybody has a different opinion, even Christians. And we need to show grace to one another in this situation today so that people can form their own opinions based on the information they trust and not insist on one way or the other. That's just one example. Now, in pastoral ministry, um, there's a great need for grace. I think you would all agree. I see the pastors shaking their heads uh, in agreement because pastoral ministry requires a lot of grace and when paul was discipling timothy in the pastoral ministry um, he encouraged him in chapter first timothy 2 1 you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus well why did he have to be strong in the grace <laughs> well because he goes on to ex to talk about all the troublemakers in the church and the false doctrine in the church and and uh, the the end times and so forth. Timothy had his plate full. He probably felt overwhelmed. And Paul's answer to that was God's grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't waver from it. Uh, rest in it. Rely on it. Uh, let it. Let his grace supply the needs for the things that you don't have and cannot do. And... Um, there's a lot of pressures, as any pastor will tell you, and as we read in our opening illustration, and it takes a lot of uh, a lot of patience and a lot of grace to work with that. The church is uh, is a healing place. It's a it's a hospital in some sense, and that's where people come. And a hospital doesn't have healthy people as patients. It has needy people. So, as any pastor will tell you, there are many grace-needy people, I call them, in the church. They need a little more attention than other people. And 
we're, we're tempted as pastors, I think, sometimes to become impatient with them or frustrated with them. Um, and then we have people who have understanding problems or mental issues or uh, other compulsions. And it takes a lot of grace to deal with these people. Into the door of the church on any given day will walk in someone who disagrees on on some major point of doctrine or a minor point of doctrine. It's up to the pastor sometimes to talk to them in a gracious way. So grace is greatly needed in the pastoral ministry and, and just bearing up the load that you you find yourself under. As a pastor uh, in pastoral ministry for 25 years, you know, it was always the hardest thing for me was to spend all day in the office or, or wherever I was doing as a pastor and then go to a meeting in the evenings. Um, I just not I'm not a night person, I'm not an evening person. And uh, it took a lot of grace for me just to get up the enthusiasm to go to another meeting. Um, but I think it's important as pastors that we be patient with people and let God do his work. Don't try to force the change on them with an overbearing type of leadership. And that's why I think Peter is reminding us in 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for disobedient gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. We don't want to be domineering and controlling of people. That shows you're not really trusting God to change their life. Be patient and let God change their life. And I think you will be surprised by what he does. Don't be proud of the fact that you have a ministry, a pastoral ministry or a church, whether small or large. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, uh, James 4, 6 says. Uh, and God will work to change lives. You know, recently I met someone at the Free Grace International Conference, and he told me his story. And he was a drug dealer for drug cartels. And even though he was saved as a young person, he strayed from the Lord and got heavily involved in the drug trade. And then he became a Christian. And he continued to trade drugs. And he says another drug dealer invited, told him to go to this church or invited him to a church. And so he went. And he didn't feel threatened there or isolated there even though everybody in that church knew what he did. And the pastor would even invite him out to lunch and take him out and talk with him. And the pastor never put a lot of pressure on him either. But eventually, one day, he asked the pastor, do uh, you think I should be doing this? And the pastor, of course, shot straight with him and, and said, no, I don't think it's a good idea for you as a Christian to be dealing drugs, even though that's the only way he knew how to make a living for his family. And God changed his heart. And of course, he's not doing that anymore. He's been in ministry now for a couple decades at least. Uh, that's the kind of thing you see God doing when you let him work and give him space to work. He loves people more than you ever will. And he will work in their lives. I think a good example that Paul sets for us and explains to us is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but when you look there, he compares his ministry to the Thessalonians as a mother and a father. And a mother, he mentions the, the sense of gentleness and as a nurturing, um, as like a baby being nurtured. And uh, that's that's what grace does. It It's gentle and it nurtures people. And as a, as a father, he compared his, his ministry to the encouraging and or consoling that a father would do and the affirming ministry that a father has. Um, 
And so and he kind of summed it up by saying he imparted his own life to them. And so imparting his own life was just a gift of grace to these people. Um, and because what more can you give? And so he, in other places, he described himself as a drink offering that's being poured out on the altar of their service. And, uh, that's all he could give to them. And so as those who minister or pastor by grace, we are shown by exhortation and by modeling to give our lives as a drink offering for others. It's a life of service and it's to be sent, spent for others and multiplied in others. We're not to hold on to our life so tight that we cannot serve others. And that means in the middle of the night, sometimes when you're tired, uh, you're giving your life. Paul talks about dying himself while, but for their benefit, because it gives life to other people. That's in Second Corinthians. Well, maybe we should uh, look a little bit about um, uh, grace and preaching and teaching, because that overlaps with pastoral ministry. And um, uh, of course, pastors do a lot of preaching and teaching. And uh, I think my word uh, about grace there in preaching and teaching is that uh, make sure that we're not just telling people what to do, but what God has done for us, because that's where it starts. People can will do things if they're bullied enough um, or scolded enough or made to feel guilty enough. People will conform their behavior, but that doesn't change their hearts. That would be spiritual abuse from the pulpit or the teaching lectern. What we want to do instead is what Paul said and model for us again, we see it in uh, in Romans where for 11 chapters, he talked about what God did for them by his grace. And then he, then, only then, in chapter 12 and 1 through 2, he tells them what they should do. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, what Paul was saying, based on what God has done for us, what we should do for him is just offer our bodies. That means everything to him. Everything that we are is in our body. That's the package. And we are to offer that to him. And so for 11 chapters, it's grace. And, in the, and then in the final chapters of Romans, it's service. But he's given us a reason for service and a motivation for service. Not guilt, not fear, not bullying not chastising, not scolding, but just reminding people what God has done for us. And, um, you know, that you'll, by the way, you'll see that same pattern in Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians of Paul talking first in the early chapters about what God has done for them. And then, and only then, does he say, okay, now here's how you should live or how walk, you should walk worthy of your calling. And then he talks about what they should do. So I hope that you who preaching and teaching will will always remind people what God has done as a way to motivate them when you remind them about what God tells us to do. And so don't just start out with a list of do's. Uh, that that can easily be, lead to legalism and Phariseeism and just outward conformity. We really want to see the hearts change, and the hearts are changed by grace. In fact, Titus uh, chapter 2, 11 through 12, reminds us that it's grace that teaches us 
uh, I love this verse, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. You see, it's the, it's the work of God, it's the grace of God, the responsibility of God to teach us. Uh, he uses us, so we have responsibilities, but it's his grace that people will respond to more readily. And that word teaching there means really to train up. We get the word pedagogy from that word. And it's, it's, it's the grace of God that helps us to uh, uh, turn away from a worldly or ungodly lifestyle to a um, uh, godly and righteous lifestyle. So we give them a motivation, uh, again, by teaching and remind them of what God does, reminding them how much God loves them. Um, and after all, First uh, John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. So it starts with God loving us. And he shows us that love by sending grace to us. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. And then that grace begins to train us and teach us. And um, so God uh, in First Peter 5.10 is called the God of all grace. And we need to remind people about that. Um, yeah, we can move on to uh, talking about uh, grace and evangelism from the pastoral ministry. But my challenge is to pastors is to be humble servants, to share your gift, not in an overbearing way, but use it to teach and preach and remind people about what God has done. Give people time and space change let god's grace change them just pray for people and bring them up before the throne of grace and you'll see change in their lives it may take years but be patient you'll see grace change their lives now when it comes to evangelism which of course is part of the work of any anyone in ministry uh, and pastors also because timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist in second timothy 4 um, i think the main message here is to keep the gospel of grace free and clear. Um, we have to remember that God is called the God of all grace in 1 Peter 5.10. Um, you see the verse there, may the God of all grace who called us. That reminds us that God is not only a God of love, even though the term love is used more for him, but he's also a God of all grace. And the way I see the two uh characteristics of God relating is that God loves the whole world, but his love does not save us. He had to send Jesus Christ as a free gift. That's his grace. So he could love us as much as he loved us, and yet we would not be saved unless he did something. He sent a gift, his son, and gives us eternal life by his grace, by simply believing in what his son has done, which is die for our sins, pay the price for our sins, and rise from the dead and offer us the gift of eternal life. So keep that message free and clear um, because uh, 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 4 reminds us, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I believe that the word all men there refers to all people everywhere. and God wants everyone to be saved. So think with me for a moment. If God wants everyone 
in the world to be saved, why would he ever want us to make a complicated or difficult gospel to present to people? Why would he ever give hoops to jump through? That's why he made salvation by grace through faith. The second Timothy, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reminds us. He gives it as a free gift through faith so that it is accessible to everyone. I'm really disturbed by some books and preaching that I hear when they teach that salvation is difficult, believing is hard, um, salvation is not as easy as you think, and I could go on and on with some of the titles and messages that I've heard. We need to keep the gospel free and clear, and that glorifies God. He is such a loving God that he would give us a free gift, and uh, that expands and enlarges our definition of what it means uh, to be saved by grace through faith not by our own efforts or by our own works. So uh, God's heart uh, is to save people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's not get in the way with a confusing gospel. And of course, I could go and launch into a lot of messages about that because that's what it, my ministry mainly does is teaches people the clear gospel and have, how to share that. Um, let me say a word about missions. Um, here is the final part of ministry because Missions is not an option, in my opinion, and my observation of the, what the Bible teaches. We are to be witnesses. We are to go and make disciples of the whole world. And uh, missions is uh, evangelism done cross-culturally or across barriers of culture or geography. And with the goal, usually, of planting and of churches that can multiply and make disciples of others. And I would simply say about missions uh, to you is that when you... First of all, you should engage in missions, of course, because the Bible doesn't give it as an option. It commands it. And if you can't go, you can always send and you can always pray. So there's always a way to be involved in missions. But one of the things I've found in my missionary activity is one of the major issues you'll face theologically is the Armenian view. Not, not Armenian. Armenians only live in Armenia. Armenians live all over the place. And and that is the belief basically uh, summarized by you can lose your salvation. And so I encounter that view almost everywhere I go. And the answer to that view that is so popular around the world is God's grace. It's unconditional. We're not saved by what we do. We don't keep his salvation by what we do. We don't lose it by what we do or don't do. And that needs to be taught. Um, so you have Arminians on one side and strong Calvinism on the other side, but I would say that Arminian, Arminianism is the default position around the world. So when you're involved in missions work, be prepared to confront that. And then in missions work, there's always uh, cultural issues that it takes grace to deal with and different traditions, trying to understand them and allow people to maybe practice some of their traditions that don't conflict with scripture, um, find out where's the room for flexibility and grace and accommodation. That doesn't mean changing our beliefs or the word of God, but accommodating some of the cultural uh, issues that are important to them. There's always a lot of grace needed in language to learn it and to understand it and to uh, deal with it. And language includes, you know, idioms and other things. And, um, and, and, and if there's, of course, to us struggling in English, it seems like they have an accent. But to them, remember that we're the ones with the accent if you're an English speaker as your primary language. So 
it takes grace on both sides to overcome that language barrier. And, and then lifestyle as well. Uh, there are great differences in lifestyle, and we need to uh, be conscious of that and be gracious when we talk about certain issues. I've learned, for example, in a lot of the countries where I minister, um, I don't talk about mortgage loans or borrowing money for a house because that's not the system in a lot of countries. Banks won't loan money for a house. you got to build it, save it, and build it yourself. And then in many places I go, people will never maybe own a house. And we have to remember that. Uh, it's the same thing uh, when we talk about, you know, a car, uh, buying a car for, I, you know, I help my children as teenagers buy a car because by God's grace, I was able to do that. But in many cultures, they're not able to do that for their teenage themselves, much less their children. And uh, pe many people understand what I'm saying. And so it takes grace just to use illustrations in the proper way in other cultures. Those are just some very simple uh, examples that I, I hurried through. I kind of want to conclude, though, with some encouraging words that God's grace is available to you in any ministry where you find yourself. And here's how it is available to us. The promises to us are precious. In Romans 5, 1 through 2, Paul wrote, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's past tense with present conditions, uh, we are justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something that will never change. We have peace with him. But look what else is promised to us. Through him, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul is saying that the grace that saved us is still accessible to us for the Christian life. How do we access it? Through faith. The same we accessed, same way we accessed our initial salvation. So when you believe God, uh, like for walking on the water or feeding 5,000 or whatever uh, looms before you, his grace is there. Paul concluded in 2 Corinthians 12, his grace is sufficient for suffering it with a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know exactly what that is, but the point is, is that he was suffering something debilitating, but he said, uh, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, how do we access that grace? It's through faith, trusting in him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then Hebrews 4.16 is a precious promise as well. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we must may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is a promise to every believer that they can come before the throne of God's grace. And even though they've already accessed it for salvation, there's a lot more behind that door uh, called the throne of grace. And when God opens that up, we have everything available to us that we don't deserve, but that we may need. And we'll find mercy, we'll find grace for any need that we may have. I can't think of a more wonderful promise that should propel us forward in ministry and confidence that God will meet the needs that we have, no matter what they are. But we have to access them through faith and come boldly, not apologetically, boldly as children of God uh, to the throne of grace because we've been justified by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let my final word be to any of those who are listening who may look at verses like this and say, it's a wonderful promise, but I'm not even sure about my salvation, or I don't know exact, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to go after I die. 
And let me just tell you that the grace of God that is promised to us as believers is promised to you uh, in salvation, if that is your need. For by grace you have been saved, he reminds his readers. And that means by, and you cannot work for it, you cannot earn it, you can never deserve it. That's why he says, by grace you have been saved through faith. You have to believe that Jesus is God's son who has come to die on the cross and pay that penalty for your sins. He rose from the dead so that he would be uh, qualified to give us the life that he displayed in the resurrection. And if you simply ask him for eternal life, he will give it to you because God is not a liar. He always keeps his word and he'll never take that life back. He'll forgive all of your sins and give you life that can never be lost. That's his promise. So reach out to him in faith, even while you're listening. No ritual, no prayer, uh, but just thank him for the gift of eternal life. And you'll begin a new life and journey of experiencing God's wonderful grace. So that's about um, what I wanted to say. And I uh, think uh, my ministry, if you want more resources, gracelife.org. Uh, there's a podcast called simplybygrace.org. You can access it there or on, from the website. Resources about uh, becoming a Christian, about grace and how to grow in grace. So thank you all for coming. Thank you, Dr. Bing, for sharing so many insights as well as sharing scripture. We are all really inspired to practice grace. My gratefulness to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace.org. At gracelife.org. See you next time.